0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the front row. Tom and Keith with you. How are you, KJ? Doing great. Doing great. It is the day after the election, and uh, whether you were pleased or displeased, we're not going to discuss it for the next 60 minutes, so take that for what it's worth. I
2: stayed up till 2 a.m. You did. I was proud of myself. That's I amazing. Mean, Last time I did that, you, that was when your your I was watching. Age,
1: that's almost a life threatening decision.
2: Last time I did that <laughs> was when they were chasing OJ. So read into that whatever you will. Well, that's been, you know, it, it. you
1: probably could have handled it then. That was a couple decades ago. Uh, so here's the story. Uh, coming up on the show, Sue Semrau is going to join us. The women uh, have a, a great outlook, great team this year. They tip off on Friday. Keith and I are going to spend a segment talking men's basketball. Tim Linefeld or Seminoles.com Insider will join us. We'll start where we uh, generally do during football season, which is football. With, with football. And so Saturday night, Florida State wins in Raleigh. I think I, tweet, Thankfully. I think I tweeted after the game. It wasn't pretty, but it's a win, and I'll take it, which I genuinely meant. I mean, I've been in Raleigh. First of all, if you remember the lost decade years, there were some each-team-punched-13-times games in that oh four oh six 4 era. Uh, I've also been there when uh, Ty Jones and Christian Ponder couldn't get the handoff as Florida State was going in to win. I was there when Mike Glennon came from behind. I've been there a lot of years. And Florida State hasn't always fared very well there. So I left the stadium thinking, I don't have to listen to that wolf howl for another two years and FSU won. I'm good. Then I listened to Seminole Headlines yesterday. Yikes. And I felt like I needed to mix a cocktail because. Did did we forfeit? I mean, I, and I get some of the points. So I guess I'm asking you, where did you fall on that? Well, I'm gonna sound Spectrum. like I'm sound
2: like I'm agreeing with with um, uh, Ira and and Corey and and uh, what's that boy's name? Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> I'm gonna sound like I'm agreeing with him. I remember walking out with you. We got on the bus, headed back to the airport, get on the plane, come home. I may even made the comment to you. I can't recall. I said, you know, I felt better after the Clemson game because you played well in a loss. Because you played well in a loss. And then as as the week has come on, and now we're sitting here Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, I'm going, you know, we forget that the number one objective <laughs> is to win the daggum ballgame. We, we've we gotten so caught up in these style points, and we've gotten so caught up in margin of victory because somehow that affects the voters or the committee that we've forgotten that the number one thing you're supposed to do is win ballgames. Well, two two observations about that. Number one, Florida State has the longest consecutive streak of not suffering back-to-back losses in the country. It's 71-72 games, somewhere about that. And secondly, and Gene pointed this out to Jimbo, I don't think Jimbo was even aware of it, with the victory, that's the, that's just the second time in 20 years that Florida State has won back-to-back games in Raleigh. You've got to go all the way back to Charlie Ward almost to the last time they were back, and Danny would when they were back-to-back victories. So let's be fair, wasn't pretty, but let's be realistic, it's a win. I think I fall somewhere in the middle of this. So fans
1: get tired of the uh, if winning was easy, everybody do it kind of rhetoric and that sort of thing. It, there's truth to it. Uh, I also don't think that you can just simply take a, a recruiting class uh and look at what it was on paper and say that should equate to x amount of wins I, it's I the think, worst
2: thing that's ever happened to college I, I, football i think
1: in this metric era and there's a lot of good metrics out there but people tend to pick and choose the one metric they want to focus on uh i said we wouldn't talk election but it's sort of like politics if you want to get a well-rounded view you got to turn the channel from whatever you're
2: on and watch multiple get your meeting from and different and sources to take it from the that one step further what did all the pundits say about the election right and every damn one of them was wrong well here's here's what i was going to say uh
1: they're 18 to 22 year old kids, and I, though we can sit here and say that you should be motivated and you should play your tail off every week, emotion matters, distractions in life. There's other things that matter, and they don't show up in the form of average yards per play or strength of record or strength of schedule and that sort of thing. I, I'm just suggesting that NC State, despite the fact they're in a tailspin, they get excited to play FSU and know that every two years they got a chance to beat FSU because they've done it more than anybody in the ACC. So I just think some of that factors in. Now, where is the frustration coming from? It, to me, it's more about the offense than the defense, at least for me personally. On the defensive side of the ball, you got three guys out right now that would be in the secondary. Uh, the line has played fine once they got healthy, once sweat and, and uh, not he got healthy. the linebacker play has clearly been disappointing, but the defense is what it is offensively i think the word is clunky to me it it, it just feels like it's work to 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 move the chain something more work than it should be, and it's not all because the receivers. Don't I mean? It is a mix. It is one guy here, one guy there. DeAndre takes a long time to process things pre-snap. Sometimes there's a lot of reasons for it. And I think that's where the angst comes from on it.
2: And I think from some, fans. I'm talking. I about. I agree. And I think some of the angst could be remedied. And I thought I thought the NC State game was going to be an opportunity to do that. If the offense would just come out and score touchdowns on the first three possessions, one time. How about in some season? How about one of the first three I'm, possessions? I'm, I'm just going for utopia. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, Florida State has not scored a touchdown in the first quarter against an FBS opponent yet this year. They've scored nine points, three field goals against FBS opponents in quarter number one. Get untracked. I you know, we've talked about it. We've I've I've told you what my stupid opinion is about the difference between games and practices and how unfortunately it's just kind of set up that way. But I don't know what the answer is. I just you know, I'm not interested in hearing any more about the birthing pains. Just show me the pretty baby. Yeah. Well,
1: and it and that plays into the defense because the defense never takes the field with a lead in the first half. Well, whose fault is that? I mean, unless the defense is going to be Alabama and, and score itself down every week. I mean, I'm sure it would feel nice for the defense to go out there knowing that they're actually up ten nothing. Maybe they'd play freer. And the twenty thirteen defense, great defense, obviously. But they were always playing with a lead. And not only were they always playing with a the lead, they were always playing with a thirty five nothing lead. And teams were completely out of their offense. And I'm not trying to discount. I mean, all those guys are in the NFL. Every I read something this week, everybody, every starter from the twenty thirteen is team defensively has played a game in the NFL this year think about that and and Jalen, not
2: just on the roster
1: yeah and Jalen Ramsey by the way is in, in one person's mid-season defensive rookie of the year a year after Jameis was the you know one of the offensive rookies of the year or the rookie of the year anyway we digressed on that so I don't know the answer but they got to do something offensively now Naquan Murray uh, Naquan Murray everybody's in love with I think there's reason to be it is a risk reward is the right way to phrase this Uh, if you look at the game the other night i have the stats here how many possessions did fsu have
2: Uh, uh, 12 maybe i don't have
1: (laughs) more than 10 well i'm gonna say the bad first i mean three of those possessions ended because of mistakes by murray he dropped the first down catch in the first half he ran an out pattern four yards longer than he was supposed to on a ball that deandre skipped into him and he stopped on a slant across the middle that made it look like deandre missed his receiver by nine yards it's because he settled and run So that's three out of the 12. Now, that said, if I counted it up, he probably also had a catch on the other nine possessions and extended those. So it's risk-reward, and he definitely adds something that the receiving core has not had. He's more dynamic Here's the thing
2: the average fan needs to recognize about Murray is he was a goofball muck-up in practice most of the time. Now, I don't care what anybody says about how great a talent it is. You don't perform in practice, your butt doesn't see timing on the field. Okay. You don't like that? Get over it. That's the way it works. Okay. I played th- uh, two years with a guy behind me named Gary Henry that was three times the athlete I was—bigger, faster, stronger, quicker. I mean, first punt, first game, he returns punts. He takes one back to the house. My largest, longest return when I returned punts was twelve yards. Okay. I I kept my job so because th- I outworked him. Okay. Now, and that's not disrespectful to Gary. That's to say, I earned my time during practice every – you don't get playing time just because you're talented. You've got to do what you're supposed to do when you do it. Now, Jimbo – shut up, listen. Jimbo had – Easy now. Jim, easy now. Well, I'm, I'm annoyed by people who think that Jimbo and Lawrence are stupid because they're not playing a receiver that's a muck-up. Jimbo sat down with him when Bobo went out and said, this is your opportunity you better take advantage of it right now and there was a 3 180 degree change in his attitude the come to jesus meeting stuck he got it the light came on that's why he's performing that's why he's seen playing time well i would agree with you would you hold my soapbox for me please man you are on it right here uh
1: i do think that there oftentimes becomes a lot of people who think that the coaches can't figure out who the best players are to play. I mean, they're there at practice every day. Now, that said, uh, and it's probably for the reason you just pointed out, I'm sure it is, uh, you and I were of the opinion early in the season that other receivers needed to play besides Bobo and Kermit. We needed to try and get some other guys in. Now, it took Bobo's injury to finally get them into the mix there.
2: One other aspect about that, because I've had conversations with former players all the time just to finish my point, and then I'll be quiet. You've got a guy that's leading the country, and interceptions in interceptions and Tavares, okay? There are plenty of former players that think his butt should have been benched earlier in the year because he wasn't consistent. It's not about the great talent. It's not about the great plays. It's about consistently performing. When you get out of the game and you reflect back on what, what gave you purpose, talk to Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks will tell you that he – earned his trade every week in practice do you remember one of the criticisms about Derek when he played it was early on and it got changed
1: it was that he freelanced a little too much exactly he was he was relying on instincts instead of assignments exactly and what was happening at that time is he was making plays in so doing well
2: go back but go but, back to the clemson game and joiner Right. We found, it's never been talked about, but we found out after the game, he busted about 25 assignments. I don't know if it was but 25. But he happened to be he, in the right place he, at the right time. Yeah, we've, we
1: have talked about this, and, and Jeremy Pruitt told me that uh, it wasn't 25. but Whatever was, it was. He was the National Player of the Week because he played so well in that 2013 Clemson game, but the reality is he was in the wrong place. He had he had several busts that Wow. Night. All right, so anyway, do you feel better now? You're on your soapbox. I'm, I'm, I'm still in between I'm headlines and how I felt Saturday. I'm we played BC I'm on Friday. We're going to talk basketball after this, then we'll get back to football when Tim Linderfeld joins us. Coach Sue joins us right after this on the front row. Stay with us.
0: You are listening to The Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Welcome back to the Front Row. Time to turn our attention to basketball. That gets started on Friday for the women and on Saturday for the men. And as we do so, we will hop on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to uh, one of our favorites, Coach Hugh Semrall. Coach, how are you?
3: I'm great. I I don't think you picked that music for me, did you?
1: Uh, No, we didn't. The twang well should we have is, is that it? your new walk-up no, song or are you know, like, that, that, that
3: that's not my vibe i was thinking
1: maybe that's
2: deep. what what music <laughs> yeah you, it is i can assure what you music
1: should we have picked i mean there's still time for uh producer tom lang to get this in order before we finish this interview
3: <laughs> no 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 talent no, no talent
1: okay well we'll talk to your players and we'll get the real dirt coach i it, it's always exciting when a season gets started uh i I think for for coaches across the country in some respects it's sort of like christmas or the holidays you've got these things wrapped up you get to open up open them up and really see what you've got uh i'm not sure maybe that's not the perfect analogy for a coach who feels like you need to get more time (laughs) at the court and get more things done but i know it is an exciting time especially when you have a a deep talented roster like what you have this year
3: yeah it, it is an exciting time i mean i think more than anything you you wait all summer to get to practice and then you wait for 30 practices to get to play. And so once we get these games uh, coming up this week under our belt, I think now we can really focus in on on uh, really what kind of team we're going to be. A
2: couple of numbers, Sue, and the big picture will dial, uh, dial down to your players in the season in just a second, but uh, this is year 20. Uh, I can't believe that. And uh, on Friday you will tip your 600th game as head coach of the women's basketball program at Florida State. Unbelievable.
3: Yeah, I I just read that stat, and I thought that was wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How many years is that in coaches'
3: years? (laughs) (laughs) In coaching years. Good question. But, yeah, no, what a privilege, though, it's been to to coach that many games for Florida State and this tremendous institution and uh, just the, the people that make up Florida State. I know you guys have been around as long as I have, and, that
0: says something about this, this great
1: university. Hey, uh, little secret, Sue. Keith's been around longer than both of us here, just for the record. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, as we're talking with Sue Semrau, the women uh, open their season on Friday at 12.30 against Jacksonville State at the Tucker Center. Obviously, Friday is Veterans Day. Uh, this is a big, big weekend for Florida State Athletics with women's hoops. you got football on Friday night. you got men's basketball on Saturday. But... And
2: then maybe a bigger game on Monday. Yeah, they, well, well, you want me to go right there? I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: So, so I'm not sure where on your schedule is the best time to place UConn, but you have them in game two, and I know you've worked hard to get a great crowd for that. Uh, you and Gino have a a really good relationship, I know, because you've played UConn frequently over the years, and uh, I mean they are the standard. I mean that's what you aspire to to turn Florida State into, or any coach does. Yeah, no,
3: they're a tremendous program. When you when you talk about four-time national champion um, (laughs) that doesn't roll off your tongue. Like it's something you say every day. And uh, again, he, he has done a phenomenal job and I think it's part of the the reason that the women's game is is gaining so much attention and notoriety. And I, I think it's, uh, it's really an honor for us to be able to not play UConn, but to play in the first game of the basketball marathon. Uh, You know, I think it's, It's an opportunity to play UConn. It's an honor to play in that first tip-off game of uh, what is going to be an amazing 24-hour basketball marathon.
1: And that starts 6 o'clock Monday night. What are your hopes for uh, what kind of atmosphere you can get in the Tucker Center for that game?
3: Well, you know, again, I'm just hoping that people want to see great basketball. And, um, you know, they'll come out to see that. I know we've, we've sold out our reserve season ticket section for the first time ever. Um, and that's for every game, not just for UConn. And now um, there's going to be still a lot of great seats that are available in general admission. Um, and, you know, we hope to pack out um, that, the whole Tucker Center and make it really a special environment for uh, our team who really aspires to, to be a top-10 team year in and year out.
2: Coach, you finished last year, uh, I believe, number seven in the final USA Today uh, poll uh, the expectation for your kids and, and this program, I mean, it's nothing short than Final Four. How do you deal with that? What do you talk to the kids about re- regarding that?
3: You know, that's um, that's obviously a long-term, as far as season goal, those goal. Uh, right now, we've got to keep their focus on every day, taking that four and playing for each other. Not for a Final Four, but if we play for each other, we play hard, we Play disciplined. We play um, with the kind of talent we have, um, but it has to be for each other, and it has to be together. You know, there's a lot of great teams, a lot of great athletes, but when you can't put it together, um, you're not a great team, and we're not there yet. And that's something that um, who expects to be there uh, after three weeks of practice? No one. And so it's something that we focus on on a daily basis, knowing that uh, the Final Four is a long way away. Um, but we've got to get better every day knowing that's where we want to finish.
2: The obvious uh, look at the team is who's who's coming back and who are the new players. You've got a great trio in Brown and Romero and Slaughter. And then uh, some new faces along with your freshmen. Uh, talk a little bit about the makeup of this squad and what you've seen through the first uh, couple, three weeks of camp.
3: Well, those first three players, you know, Letty and Brittany and Ivy are, are really the core of what we do I'll tell you Shaquilla Thomas is one of the most dynamic players in the women's college game and she's a very special player Uh, you add to that um, Amani Wright who is a transfer from Baylor who uh, really stretches the defense for us uh, you know can shoot the ball extremely well and then Catrice White uh, you know another transfer from the University of Illinois gives us some size in the middle Uh, she was a all-Big Ten player, uh, McDonald's All-American when she was in high school. So there is talent. Uh, and again, though, that talent does have to to work to come together to, to function as, a,
1: as one. Coach, I don't know the particulars of uh, the case with Chatrice, but this is the second time in three years that you've gotten a player Uh, eligible uh, from the NCAA standpoint without having to sit out a year, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, is the NCAA suddenly, uh, have they found a heart or is it just uh, extenuating circumstances and uh, it's worked out in FSU's favor here?
3: No, it's definitely extenuating circumstances. And I think if there are mitigating factors, and I think our compliance office does a a tremendous job of, of understanding where the NCAA is coming from. And we don't file something if we don't feel like there is, are real mitigating factors, and, and there were in this case. And uh, if you look back, two other players that left the program were granted immediate eligibility at another school. So if they did not grant her immediate eligibility, then, then they probably figured there might be an issue with that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's important that, that she did get this opportunity uh, right away, and uh, not that yeah. Illinois was a bad place. It was, they had some great things, but some tough things happened. And they want the student-athlete's career to be one where they feel like it really has a lot of value.
2: So, uh, excuse me, Tom, I want to remind our listeners, uh, as we're talking with Coach Sue Simmerow at Florida State, uh, you, got a, you had a kind of a unique situation over the summer, I'd like for you to just comment. Our, our listeners may be aware that uh, Ramiro and Rodriguez uh, both played for the Spanish team in the Olympics and, and won a silver medal. Have you ever had medalist uh, players at that level?
3: I've never had Olympians, um, so it's just been a, a really phenomenal experience to to go over to Rio and watch their watch them experience something that every kid dreams about was probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever experienced as a coach. Uh, people talk about the Olympics all time, all the time, and here are two players. Uh, who are Seminoles, on the same team, not only playing in the Olympics, but playing for a gold medal and against the United States and, and coming up with a silver medal. So it was an unbelievable experience.
1: I want to ask you about Leticia a little bit further. When she first started playing two years ago, I was amazed by her court vision. I mean, she sees the court so well. Uh, and she had a terrific year two years ago. Last year she was very good, but it felt like maybe the ACC adjusted a little bit or maybe you didn't have all the parts and pieces to truly complement her game. But now that she's two years in going into her third year at FSU and had an Olympic experience like that, how has she grown and developed as a player?
3: Well, I think there is a huge adjustment uh, when you're coming to the American game. And and her first year she did have um, have a lot of of help, and she didn't feel the pressure to – be the one and so she could just play and there's a lot to be said about that last year she not only was uh, the one but we didn't have any other true point guard on our team uh, that was was ready and so we played some other players out of position when she was injured or when she uh, was resting on the bench and and so it was a little bit tougher I think you know this year she she's grown so much and Uh, And now she's learning that role of what it really means to lead a team and handle the pressure that it takes to be a top-10 point guard on a top-10 team. All right,
1: you mentioned Shaquela Thomas, and people who follow Florida State women's basketball would be familiar with what a talent she is. Uh, Incredibly athletic. She's listed as 5'11", but regardless of what her actual height is, I know she can dunk. So, does she do that frequently? Does she have the green light in games to attempt that? Uh, how do you handle that?
3: Well, I knew she could dunk in high school, but I always figured it would be something that you know would be okay. Everybody stop at practice, take a look. Let's try this, Shikala. Um, We've even never done that at Florida State. Um, that we don't want that to be uh, the thing that she's known for amongst our team, and because she does so many other things for us, but. You know, she'll mess around after practice and dunk routinely. Uh, and and so when she went up for that dunk last year, I was like, oh, Kayla, what are you doing? And then when she almost made it, I just thought, oh, my goodness, go ahead. You know, this is too <laughs> much fun. And uh, so, you know, definitely if if the, the time is right, uh, she has the green light from this coach
2: coach you you may not agree with the comment but generally speaking from us outsiders looking at your program you're known for perimeter play but i want to be the first one i don't know what phrase we're going to come up with but we got to come up something with for for white and right in the middle
3: <laughs> that's right that's exactly right i like that <laughs> you two work on that and then next time i see you at our game you let me know
2: we'll
1: get back to you all right well i'll see you on friday for your game so that gives me a, you know less you're than 48, up tom I'm you're up, up tom less than 48 hours Hey, I I, I want to do a service for Brittany Brown here, Coach, because uh, you've you've got a lot of uh, players on your team that are going to score more points than her and and get more headlines. But she's been a starter for three years, if memory serves, and she's one of those gritty, uh, uh, defensive, uh, glue-type players that that just has incredible hustle, and I'll I'll let you take it from there.
3: Yeah, no question. And I don't think we could be a great team without – Brittany Brown on the floor. She's uh, she gives and gives and gives. And here you can tell she's a coach's kid uh, because from day one, she's been uh, diving on the floor after the loose ball. I'm sure that her mother and father who were both coaches, you know, didn't let her just sit there and watch a ball rolling. Get on it, get on the floor, Britt. So I, I, it just is, it's incredible. She, um, she does so many things well for us. She passes the ball tremendously. she, um, she's really uh, been a great defender for us in many, many ways. She's a great rebounder and she scores the ball and, and makes better decisions on the offensive end this year. And uh, yeah, she, she's definitely the heart and soul of our team,
2: Coach. A lot has been made, rightfully so, about Florida State acquiring the, the Tucker Center and the investment that's been made in the upgrades. I know the locker rooms are not completed yet. I think they're scheduled maybe for December. But just just how big? was that simple not not an easy move and not a small move but a simple move how big was that for your program as well as the men's program
3: you know i can't even uh <laughs> i can't even fathom what it felt like before anymore uh you know you lose those 19 years of memories um pretty quickly when uh because they were memories of times that you walked into the arena and you were shaking your head because you were not up to par with the other teams that were striving to be top 10 teams. Uh, I remember wrestling with myself to go to the men's game because if I sat down, I might snag my pants on the seat, you know, and, and, uh, it was just a, uh, a gift, a real gift with, um, you know, both TK Weatherall and president Thrasher and what they were able to do to create an environment. Now that's an exciting environment for fans, uh, and for our teams as well. And, I'm really excited to to kick kick it off again uh, with veterans on Friday. I think you know to, in a special way to honor those veterans, uh, we can kick off our season in a in a beautiful arena.
2: I, I made the analogy to someone the other day. You know, when Jimbo came in, uh, first thing he said is, "We've got to have that indoor practice facility." You know, we, we can't compete without it. And now uh, I go back to maybe something our listeners and the general fan wouldn't be aware of, but with you and the men's program sharing the, the BTC, scheduling and, and who gets what and who has priority, and I know you, you work very hard to get along, but it's kind of like a brother and sister. You probably fought with each other a little bit too about you know, who, <laughs> who gets what when. Some of that pressure is relieved, and you've got a little more freedom in, in the behind-the-scenes things that we don't see aside from the games in the Tucker Center.
3: Well, and I will say that Leonard has always been tremendous to work with. And so we really were able to work together to try to get this done. It wasn't – neither one of us came in and said, hey, this is what we need, and it happened immediately like Jimbo did. But, <laughs> hey, we are so excited that it is happening, uh, you know, that now the players will have a locker room that is you – know, I, I mean, it was. it was tough. I mean, it was – it just was not – a basketball locker room. We shared a bathroom with the men. Um, Just some things that that weren't up to par. And so now we're excited about where we're going and just so thankful again for the administration at Florida State that has, has made this choice.
1: Coach, we'll get you out of here on this. What is the number one thing that you want to see from your team this year?
3: I think, again, I talked about it earlier, but the passion to play for each other. You know, I think a lot of times you're on the same team. And you can say, I played on that team. But a lot of teams don't say, I played with this person and we played for each other. And you talk about veterans. You talk about them going to war together. That's what I want to see from this team is that that they will put it on the line for each other. And if we can do that, then we could be pretty special.
1: It's going to be a, a, a terrific season. We wish you the best of luck. I'll see you on Friday. Thanks for your time, as always, Coach. Good luck to you. Thank you too. That is uh, Coach Sue Semrau. I can't believe it's year twenty, as you pointed out,
2: KJ. I I remember when she came, and and she was this little petite uh, young young lady. I was going to say girl, that's disrespectful, but young lady, very very youthful looking, very youthful in age. And I get, I guess you just didn't process what it would be like if she was still around in twenty years. And certainly from where the program was when she took it over, I mean they've they've had. 10 years of 20-win seasons, uh, back-to-back sweet 16s. Uh, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And UConn coming in, I know she doesn't want to talk about Monday. She wants to get the win on Friday. But Monday might be the most special time for the women's program ever in the Tucker Center.
1: Yeah, and that's why we wanted to have her on to mention that. Uh, We'll we'll turn our attention to uh, the men's season opener and season in our next segment. But uh, just a a reminder, 1230 Jacksonville State Friday. The UConn game is 6 o'clock Monday night. Uh, great opportunity they're going to be a very very good team this year we thank sue for joining us on the earl bacon agency hotline we'll step aside come back as i mentioned we'll talk about leonard's squad that's when the front row rolls on
0: Casting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is the Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Welcome back to the Front Row Big Weekend on Tap. Uh, we have touched on football and women's basketball. Thanks again to Coach Sue. We will uh, get men's basketball on the show here in coming weeks, maybe as soon as next week. But we are going to turn our attention there now as well. Uh, as you're planning your weekend, if you listen to this uh, and don't the show and don't live in Tallahassee, if you subscribe on iTunes uh, and you roll into town for the football game on Friday night, you need to know that the men's basketball team is uh, playing a matinee affair on Saturday. And the reason they're doing so is they're hoping that people that uh, arrived in town for the football game can check out some hoops before they roll back out of town. So Charleston Southern, one o'clock on Saturday, the season opener. I'm just going to say, and we'll we'll get into this, and Keith, this is your specialty. You work with Gene uh, broadcasting the men's games. One commonality between the women's and men's teams this year is that both teams uh, have depth, really good depth. And the men's team, uh, you know, if you think back, uh, they've had some injury issues from time you know Devin Booker was hurt for a little while in in past years it's Cofer missed the whole year Kofor and Ojo last year uh this year knock on I'm knocking on the table right here it's been pretty good and and not only do they have depth but but they've got pretty good frontline guys
2: this year there's there's reason to be excited genuine reason for the men's team the the only downside I see of any of that and it, it goes back to when do when did we study this ninth or tenth grade you know the permutations and combinations you know how how many different combinations of 5 can you get when you're rotating 9 and then it exponentially increases when you're trying to but, rotate 12 or
1: 13. But I think they're playing so fast offensively that, uh, I mean, if you've got guys and you're telling them just go all out, we'll sub you out, I think that'll be mitigated a little bit. But that's not my point. My
2: point is keeping track of who does where oh, and does okay. what. I thought you were talking about keeping people happy. No, no. I'm going, which, which five of the 13 at any one time do you put together? Right. It becomes my issue, and it's a pleasant problem. No, I agree with you. This is a team – I mean, I, I, I'm. I, what am I? You're 16. You're 17 and doing basketball. I, I don't remember a team this talented. Obviously, it's the preseason. Uh, we all have great expectations. Uh, our hopes are high. Our vision is way up. Uh, time will tell. You still got to uh, find the ability to work together with the new kids coming in, and will they mesh? Uh, you always have to worry about injuries, particularly in basketball, with your feet and, and the big men and things like that. Uh, but I don't recall the expectation being any greater for the men than it is this year.
1: I just want to go back and <clears throat> true uh, diehard basketball fans know this, but but Coach Sue, you know, we talked about the improvements uh, to the Tucker Center, and we've had this conversation before. But this is a reality that I feel like a lot of Florida State people haven't realized, and it's it's changing. Understand, and Carl, but when you look at the ACC, and I'm not going to rank everything one to fifteen; I'll just put it in three tiers. FSU's home arena has been in the bottom third of the ACC of its God, opponents. It's probably last. And FSU's practice facility has been in the bottom third. And I don't know the overall hoops budget, but it's certainly not in the top third. Uh, it might be in the bottom third. And then it's fan support, and this is not a knock at people that go to the games, is in the bottom this third. It's a
2: knock at the people that don't go to the games. So
1: I throw all that out there to shape the conversation of, because you get into a lot of this, I, you know, I don't know if Leonard has done enough. Should he be doing more? I think it's, it's certainly reasonable that FSU should expect to go to the NCAA tournament uh, at least two out of four years, maybe two out of three. I don't know when you look at what the ACC is, if it's realistic to think that FSU is going to be 20 years in a row like they are on the football field in a bowl streak because you've got the top third of the league is all in for basketball to the same degree that FSU is for football. So I just wanted to have that. Now, all that said – this is an NCAA team, uh, in, in my opinion. And you can talk about the returners who are basically like new recruits in Ojo and Phil Kofer, who bring five fouls, toughness, post play, that sort
2: of thing, even if you don't and think. Cofer with an offensive spark.
1: Right. And then you have Dwayne Bacon back, and the word on Dwayne is that he's committed to defense because he knows he has to be to get to the next level. And then you have Jonathan Isaac. He's worked Isaac. on his
2: three point shot.
1: He has. Uh, And then Jonathan Isaac is the headlining name here, who's as talented a recruit as they've ever brought in. And when he leaves, we'll see, which will be after this year, I would assume, may be the highest draft pick in Florida State history. Maybe not. He'd have to be in the top four because that's where Cowens went. So I'm just saying there's a lot of reason to be excited.
2: And part of the issue that, that our fans and our listeners don't like hearing and they don't want to pay attention to is, is Leonard, during his tenure at Florida State and arguably even at Miami and Oklahoma State prior, was known to be able to go out and get some recruits that were kind of either off the radar or under the radar. Uh, because he worked so hard and because of his contacts and because of what he could teach those kids once they got to Tallahassee. By the facilities being upgraded, by a commitment by the athletic administration to, to spend some money and do some things, Stan Jones made a comment to me, Tom, that I never really processed. I always knew, but I never put into words the way Stan did. And he was just very, very blunt about it. He says, kids buy with their eyes. These recruits buy with their eyes. Now, if you think about it, the young kids, they want the, 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 the shoe that is the most no, 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 uh, notoriety. It, it, they don't study the, the shape of the shoe and the cushion of the shoe and, and the, you know, the durability and wear of the shoe. They want the shoe. They want the popular shoe. That's popular. Right. They buy with their eyes. I would never process it that way. Well,
1: we asked him last week how much of a difference just uh, the university owning the Tucker Center and it actually looking like a home arena has made, and he just kind of pointed to the guys on the court and said, well, what do you think? That's my point. I don't know that
2: you get a Jonathan Isaac if you don't upgrade the Tucker Center. And now you're redoing the locker
1: room, uh, which will be significant as well. So uh, kudos to FSU for that. Sue didn't expound upon this when you asked her, but to your point about the BTC, the men and women have had to share practice time there. Uh, it has gotten easier because now that the university owns the Tucker Center, the men are practicing in the Tucker Center at whatever time they want. Generally speaking, there are still shows and performances there. And the women have the BTC, so they, they have a little bit more flexibility and freedom Plus there. they bought
2: some new equipment. I don't know if you, uh, our listeners remember reading the article in The Democrat, but you've got the floor that you play the games on. Now they've got two additional courts that go perpendicular in, quote-unquote, the end zones. And each one of them has four additional hoops. Right. So you've gone from four hoops, you can move in two portable ones in the big big floor, to whatever that is, 12 hoops. How does that help when you're doing free throw shooting, three-point shooting drills, that type of thing? Just physically having more rims. that you, It's like Jimbo. Running two sets of of drills at the same time on on the and it side. all
1: matters and we're getting way too deep into how the sausage is made though because at the end of the day people are going to come big sausage it's good people, sausage people are going to come because uh, it's an exciting team to watch so I would say this and I'll use the analogy. Uh, of rick trickett for a while there was this theory that trickett liked smaller offensive linemen who are athletic no he wants the biggest guy he can find if he's athletic If he's athletic. if he's athletic and so there's this perception well leonard can't coach offense he just wants to play defense well no if you don't have the most skilled guys out there you can win with defense uh because of effort and want to But in a perfect world, he would go get a bunch of guys that can play a lot of really good offense, too, and mix in the defense. And so now that's what Florida State has done last year, and they're going to do more of it this year. I mean, they've... Uh, it's been a blistering pace, and they got a lot of guys that can put the ball in the hoop. Now, I know the way the fan base works. They're not going to buy in until, A, after football, and B, the record's got to be okay through the non-conference. But I'm telling you, there's good players on this team.
2: The other part of it is uh, Leonard known for that junkyard defense, leading the country in uh, opponent field goal shooting percentage for a couple years back-to-back not too many years ago. And you mentioned, for example, Dwayne Bacon. The problem Florida State's had defensively Part of the problem is that you've not had kids challenging kids during practice, so, so they haven't had to play defense because they were still going to get their playing time. Well, guess what? These new kids play defense. So if you're a starter or you're a first or second guy off of the bench the last year or two and you've been lax on your defense, one of these young kids is going to take your playing time if you don't learn how to play defense. So there's been a renewed emphasis and a renewed focus on on playing defense, and we've seen that in the first couple of exhibition games with Dwayne Bacon, and I made the comment earlier, I'll throw this in and see where you're going with it, but one of the knocks on Dwayne was I'm going that, to I'm going to break is where I'm going. Okay, well, we... then I'll finish with this. <laughs> uh, one of the knocks on Dwayne has been his his jump shooting, You know, his open court shooting, his three-point shooting. Well, he worked his fanny off over the offseason and during camp I mean, he was what, uh, three for five or four for six in the first exhibition game from three land. You're going to see a much improved three-point shooter in Dwayne Bacon. What's that going to do when they have to extend to get to him, and then he can drive the basket?
1: I'll finish on this, uh, speaking of three-point shooting, because last week uh, before the second exhibition, I was watching Jonathan Isaac shoot. Now, the story on Jonathan Isaac, if you don't know, is that he was a guard. So Didn't ball, that unbelievable? he has ball handling skills and can shoot. Well, explain why he was a guard. Because he was like 6'4", 6'5", but then he added four or five inches later in his career. So now you've got a 6'9 guy and he was five feet behind the three-point arc and I'm watching him banging him in and it's, you know how when somebody shoots and it looks like they're having to work to get it there and then there's the guy that shoots and it looks effortless. His is effortless, five point five feet behind. So anyway, can I make one more point? One more point. Tim, we're, cut, we're cutting into your time. Your pay will be reduced accordingly. Go ahead.
2: Isaac will bring the ball up. They'll go five all out on rebounds. They yeah. don't just try to get the ball to the point guard and have the point guard bring fast break. Isaac at 6'10", 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", whatever he's going to end up, he will bring the ball up yeah, it's, in transition.
1: It's going to be a matchup nightmare uh, for teams that are trying to guard him with their 6'9", players, no question. All right. We'll get less of Tim Linnefelt than usual. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we'll get less of us in the last segment. Uh, Our our listeners
2: would probably like that. They
1: probably would. We'll we'll get to that next when our Seminoles.com insider joins us right after this on the front row.
0: You are listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Bad Company continues as the walk-up song for our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Now, we that's not... his walk-up song. That's not what he is. Exactly. Okay. We may continue that uh, because Florida State uh, may reel off a few in a row here on the football field. Let's say hello to Tim via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. So, Keith and I, in the first segment, uh, it disclosed that we felt okay after the NC State game. Then we listened to Seminole headlines, and we felt despondent based on that conversation. So I'm just wondering where you are on that spectrum of, uh, you know, pleased, displeased, right in the middle.
4: Um, Probably right in the middle. Uh, And I'll, you know, elaborate on that by saying I I wish that it wasn't necessary for them to have to play such a dramatic, hard-fought game at the end there. But at the same time, pleased that they they showed the resolve and the ability to get that done. The most encouraging thing to me was the fact that Florida State's running game and Dalvin Cook really – didn't have a, a huge impact. NC State kept them in check all night, and so it was the, the DeAndre Francois and Nyquan Murray and Auden Tate in the passing game that stepped up and, and picked up the slack. And I don't know that we had seen that very much this year. So to see Florida State be able to win a game that way uh, and get a little luck, too, uh, as far as you know, balls thrown into the end zone go and then they're dropped by NC State safety, so that's part of the game. Uh, well, safeties
1: don't.
2: Safeties don't have any hands. They, oh, well, they clearly.
1: Hey, I was uh, there the year Mike Glennon was bouncing balls off of receivers and defenders, and they were falling into receivers' hands for touchdowns. So we'll take it. Well, I was
2: there. When, I exactly was there when they got six from Winky. So I'm, there you go. So, so I, all, all that
4: said, you know, given the way this season has gone, uh, a win at night on the road, I'm, I'm not going to find too many nits to pick.
1: Keith went on his soapbox uh, in the first segment. I'm going to go now because uh, I forever run into conversations with people who want to be in the SEC because the games are going to be more dramatic, closer, back and forth, seesaw right down to the end. And so now we're living that with the ACC improved and all anybody's doing is complaining that we don't have blowouts. All right. It's funny how that happens. Yeah, right? yeah funny, but that's kind of where we are, though.
4: Oh, absolutely. And look, man, I mean, you know, and it's, it, that game Saturday night was a perfect example of that and that NC State's had a tough season. Uh, You know, they've now lost four straight, but as we've said several times, they were a a very makeable field goal away from knocking off Clemson in Death Valley, and I'm willing to bet that if they had had won that game, they probably don't go and lose to Boston College. Maybe they lose to Louisville. Uh, So the the, the point being, I think that team, even despite its bad record, is probably better than its record, and we all know how hard it is to play there, uh, especially on a Saturday night. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's parity and competitiveness in the league uh, it, it can't just be there. You can't just go to it when it's convenient for you. It, 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 it's it's hard. These games get more difficult at times, and, and I thought Saturday was a perfect example of it. I mean, look, the the, the Louisville games in the last few years are a perfect example of it. Uh, it's just kind of the world we're living in with the ACC. So you know, it, when you when you're beating your chest about how great the ACC is and, and how how it's one of the better leagues in the in the co- in the country and it doesn't get the respect it deserves, well, this is the other side of that.
2: Well, we changed your walk-up song, uh, and we and we now have won one in a row. What, what do we need to do with this offense for them to wake up and, and score some points in the first quarter?
4: I, Keith, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish I do. Well, we've been talking about this, uh, haven't we? Though, season, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, we, we we I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know there's an easy answer, and I, I don't know that the coaching staff has an easy answer either. Just based on the fact that you know it's been an issue for beyond this season, really. I, I do know that if. if the offense isn't sharp uh, and and isn't you know ready to go on Friday. You know, Boston College's defense, for, for as much as of their offense struggles, their defense is pretty solid and their their defensive front is really good. And they have a really nice defensive end who can cause some problems. So uh, they better be ready. To go. Now, the, the one thing I'll say is I thought from a pass protection standpoint, uh, the line the other night had a pretty nice game. They only allowed one sack and I think two officially recorded hurries. Uh, so that's something to build on. But it's going to be another uh, another test against Boston College because. You know, you're, you're playing a team that has a really good defensive line and not a lot to lose given the way their season has gone. So I do think, you know, of course they should win the game, but they better take it seriously and they better be ready. Otherwise, you know, it could get a little uncomfortable.
2: Well, that, speaking of the BC defense, they give up about 106 yards a game on the ground, about 320 overall in the ball game. And I heard a stat, it relates to last year, but it speaks to the Boston College um, program. They were the first team in history. To go winless in the conference and lead the conference in defense. That was last year. This year's defense given up a, little, a few more yardage, a little more points, but they're known for that. This is a stout defensive group.
4: Yeah, if, if you could, you know, write the story of of the current era of Boston College football in one sentence, that would probably be it: winless in the conference, leads the conference in defense. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, to me that, that kind of looks like the same. Uh, you know, I'm sure that some of the details are a little bit different, but. I think it's going to be on Florida State to overcome that. We saw they played Boston College in a Friday night game a year ago, and you remember that game finished fourteen and, nothing, and turned on a defensive touchdown from Florida State. It wouldn't surprise me at all if if the game Friday night, this Friday, were something similar where uh, a defensive score, or a turnover, ended up being the key moment, and then it if it was a little bit lower scoring.
1: Tim, uh, bear with me. We're going to get to some rapid fire questions, but I need to uh, give a shout out to the fine folks at Madison Social. And Centrale. here's uh, Madso at it again. First of all, uh, Matt Thompson now has gone ahead and gotten a 20 foot Christmas tree, so they're going to do a tree lighting on December 10th. And trying is and he carving. a
2: Rockefeller Center person? I, what? I don't
1: know. But more important and more immediate, uh, there's a veterans pub crawl this Saturday at two. The proceeds go to the FSU Collegiate Veterans Association, and so it's not just Madison Social, but also Grasslands Proof and Brass Tap. And if I can find a babysitter conveniently, that time slot is right after the men's basketball game on Saturday. All right, that said. Uh, Here's the rapid fire, Tim. Will Dalvin Cook surpass Warwick Dunn's record on Friday night? Yes or no? No. Ten or more catches for Nooney Murray?
4: Less than ten, but not not a lot less.
1: Two or more false starts in the game?
4: I like two. Two's a good number.
1: Punting average of more than 41 yards by Florida State?
4: Yes, and I think that's a good thing.
2: Punt return by opponent averaging more than 10 yards.
4: No.
1: He averages 13.
4: Okay. I still say no.
1: Sacks allowed by FSU. Three or more? I say less. Wow, two weeks in a row against his BC defense.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think two is a pretty, a pretty,
1: kind of where I'm at. Another pick for Tavares McFadden. I I
4: don't know that you could go against it at this point. What we say last week? Never go against the streak.
2: More than two unusual plays from Jimbo, i.e. the reverse and the halfback pass last week.
4: No, I don't think so.
2: Runs by DeAndre Francois, not counting scrambles.
1: Designed, called runs. Three or more? Less. Less. That would be accurate. That's where they were last week. Anything else? Uh, Tom's smiling over here. What, where else do we need to go on this? This is fun. Keep them coming. This is this is fun. <laughs> we ran out of ideas. <laughs> okay. How about how about attendance? Given we have a Friday night game here,
2: um, over or under seventy two thousand?
4: Over. I like the. I like the. I think it's going to be a, a good attendance on, on Friday. I think you know it's a holiday. A lot of people are off work. There's a ton of stuff going on around here this weekend. By the way, I think it'll be all right.
1: Speaking of which, will Shakayla Thomas dunk in the women's game?
2: Yes. This week? I think so. Will Jonathan Isaac go coast to coast with a dunk in the men's game?
4: I think so, too. That was really cool, wasn't it?
2: Will you be at the concert
1: on Saturday night?
4: We'll see.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm I'm out of rapid fire questions. We didn't. We didn't have a list in front of us, so I think we're done. That was good. That was good. I well, like the most fun. impressive thing, and I tweeted this at you is uh, Will Tim Lindefelt continue to join us on the show now that the Busy Bee follows him on Twitter?
4: Uh, that's pretty much the, uh, the, the 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 zenith, if you will, of my professional life so far. I'm, I'm really excited about that. We got I'm, I'm we're, we're we're getting it out for the Busy Bee. I'm spreading the uh, spreading the word. People need to know about this.
1: That word uh, spreads. Uh, like the zika virus. I mean people are aware of the busy bee. We we know about it. If you're driving on I10, you stop there. It's just even if you even if you're only going to Lake City, you still stop
2: there first. Well, think about, you know. The, the, Aren't you proud of me that I knew what that was? Yes, I am. <laughs>
4: think about, you know, Florida State fans and, and media, especially, how many times you go down I-10 to 75, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, it's like a, a ritual you have to.
1: It's like a highlight. Now, you actually look forward to that stretch of I-10 now. It's crazy.
4: And it's it's, and it's, a, perfect, it's a perfect distance from, from Tallahassee. It's a perfect distance from, you know, Gainesville or Orlando, whatever. Really, I can't say enough good things. Can about you, imagine, can
2: you imagine the meeting with the owner of that establishment and we'll Assume he was talking to a marketing person or a marketing consultant who said here 's what we 're going to do hey <laughs> You could have
1: hey, just started with clean restrooms at a gas station and we'd have been good. We gotta we gotta wrap this segment up, Tim, but do contact your friends at the Busy Bee. Let them know we spoke highly of them and tell them that there are sponsorship packages available if they're interested. Well, keep it in mind. Thanks, guys. All right, he's our seminals.com insider, Tim uh, we, We'll uh, Boy, up, we've digressed. We have we'll come back and wrap up the show right after this.
0: We're listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979 ESPNradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Just a couple minutes to finish up. I'll just say that it is a garnet and gold weekend. I know this is untraditional, atypical. Pick your word that Florida State's playing a Friday night home game. We're not going to discuss all the nuances of that except to say that it worked out because it's veterans day and fsu can do it but you got women's hoops you've got a football game on friday i personally like it it gives me a chance to watch more football on saturday which i normally don't get to do there's also men's basketball on saturday the soccer team oh by the way won another acc championship yawn i mean that's all they do every year and they Let play go, three in the ncaa's and then you've got uh, doke after dark and there's concert tickets uh, available still if you want to go to that. I think it's just 20 bucks general admission, 40 bucks to get in the Champions club. It's a big weekend. Everything that's going on
2: has its own place and purpose. So it fits together very nicely. Well, that was a lot shorter than I expected you to go. Considering we, don't, we don't, started the we show don't with have you much on time. an epic rant. Well, you took away my soapbox and we ain't got no time left.
1: You're right. You're right. Okay, we're done. We will uh, do this again next week. Don't forget to join us for Wake Up Knowles and Primetime Knowles. That's at 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sunday still, even though we play on Friday. Enjoy uh, enjoy the weekend, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you then.
0: live from the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Buick GMC Cadillac Studios, this is 97.9 ESPN Radio, WTSM, Woodville, Thomasville, Tallahassee.